Good evening, everybody. I'm Todd Drebenko of the Medfield State Hospital Development Committee, and I'd like to welcome you to our information session with representatives from Trinity Financial and their development team here this evening. Our goal today is for you to hear directly from the Trinity team regarding their proposal to redevelop portions of the old Medfield State Hospital site for you to be able to ask questions of them and for you to be able to share your feedback with them. So we thought we would go um, until about 9 o'clock tonight, but about 8.30 we're going to try to move to a more interactive part of the meeting. So uh, between now and then, I'm going to uh, just cover a few things in terms of context for the meeting and then I'm going to hand it over to the Trinity team. Uh, and so I'm not sure you know, everyone was able to participate in the April 6th listening session, so uh, just to go over some background. Thank you, Sam. Uh, so, the Midfield State Hospital was established in 1892 and was closed in 2003 by the Commonwealth. After uh, attempts to develop it by the Commonwealth, it was actually uh, portions of the hospital site were acquired by the town by a special town meeting vote. Uh, 127 acres, uh, 87 acres north of Hospital Road and 40 acres south of Hospital Road for $3.1 million. That then led to a master planning phase. The town spent about four years on the master plan. And uh, when that plan was issued, it actually won both state and national awards for planning and community participation. And that in turn led to the formation of the Medfield State Hospital Development Committee in 2018. And we were directed uh, by the selectmen to test the market feasibility of the, the master plan. That in turn led to a few milestones, including in 2019, the rezoning of the property uh, to allow for development, and in 2021, the issuance of an RFP. Uh, the development committee received uh, responses to the RFP in August of 2021. The selectmen designated Trade Financial as the most advantageous proposal in November of 2021. And then in March of this year, the selectmen executed a provisional agreement with Trinity to sell a portion of State Hospital site to Trinity. So any sale of any portion of the State Hospital must be approved by a special town meeting vote to Trinity. So any, and um, that meeting has not been scheduled yet, but it's anticipated for June. So just to clarify what's under discussion for sale, it's about 45 acres, which is 35% of the land that the town acquired from the Commonwealth. Uh, that land is uh, certain portions of the property north of Hospital Road that you see in yellow there. Um, so it excludes the north field, which is uh, open space to the rear property, the, the green, which is the, the grand entrance to the property, the arboretum, which is the area of the site that is characterized by uh, wood frame cottages, uh, and the, the town's water tower parcel. Um, it also excludes the two buildings that are leased to the Cultural Alliance of Medfield for development of the art side. And um, it also excludes all land south of Hospital Road where the sledding ends. 
So just uh, a couple of quick highlights why the development committee uh, recommended moving forward with Trinity. Uh, first, it puts the property on the town's tax rolls for the first time, it's never paid real estate taxes. And um, this would be done with no cash outlay by the town. The proposal was to include all the development costs in the project itself. So there's no tax increase proposed or any cash investment proposed by the town. Now, Trinity is proposing to pay the town to make a $2 million initial payment, which uh, under the agreement with the state needs to be shared with the state. And then once it's built, the current estimate is uh, property tax revenues of approximately $716,000 a year will be generated after paying for all the costs associated with the site uh, related to you know, schools, police, fire, etc. So it would take three to four years to recover the four and a half million dollars that the town spent on the hospital, which would include the $3.1 million acquisition price and the $1.4 million that the town has spent to maintain the property and the consultants and attorneys since that time. Uh, Trinity is also proposing to reimburse the town up to $525,000 uh, for costs that the town incurs to uh, monitor construction and to work with Trinity on the project until it's completed. Um, another benefit is it uh, resolves the environmental and physical conditions of the buildings. Uh, the buildings that are being sold are the red brick buildings that um, are boarded up and uh, just like other buildings of their vintage, uh, you know, have lead-based paint and asbestos and other issues like that. Uh, the proposal would add housing that's consistent with the town's objectives in both the master plan, <coughs> excuse me, and the, um, the housing production plan, and it would leave the open space open uh, and owned by the town going forward. And then finally, uh, some other benefits. It's complementary with the proposed cultural arts center. The Trinity's actually making a contribution uh, related to the renovation of the two buildings that are leased by PAM, uh, in the amount of $1 million, and then also some money for programming after that. Uh, we found the proposal to be generally consistent with the master plan itself. It calls for 334 units, which is the top end of the range of housing units uh, identified in the master plan and is far below uh, some of the other proposals which we received, which call for six or even 700 apartments. And finally, the proposals intended to comply with the zoning that the town approved at special town meeting that maintains a campus setting that preserves the historic buildings, that improves the landscape, and uh, maintains access to the property uh, from people in town. So with that, I'd like to hand it over to Abby Goldenkar from Trinity Financial. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Abby Goldenfarb. I am a Vice President of Development at Trinity Financial. And I just wanted to introduce our team. First, we have in green, Amanda Alberta, who's a project manager at Trinity. We also have on Zoom, my colleague, um, Kevin McCarthy, who is our design and construction vice president. With us, we have a great team of professionals. We have Jansen Meals and Bethany Moody from Icon Architecture, Kendra Hallowell from Icon Architecture, Mark Klopfer from Klopfer Martin Design Group, 
the Emily Scarf from Clawford Martin Design Group and Matt Keeley from BHB. Um, so we are here tonight and thank you for taking the time. And I also just wanted to recognize um, one of the elected officials in this room. We have um, select board member Eileen Murphy, at least I saw her a few minutes ago. Oh, she's back there. Um, thank you for all coming. And if you haven't gotten any food, please grab some because we have a lot. Um, tonight, what we'd like to do is take a little of your time to introduce ourselves, who we are, what we have done in the past, um, talk about our proposed redevelopment program, and then talk about our due diligence efforts. And finally, um, we'd like to take your questions and we'd love your feedback on some of the landscape architecture and, and open space images that we have uh, brought. Uh, we have not designed uh, this project. We are taking our inspiration from the buildings, um, but there's a lot of open space and a lot of opportunities, and we are looking to uh, learn from you. Um, just a little bit about Trinity Financial. We are a Boston-based real estate development firm uh, started in 1987. We now have an office in um, Manhattan in New York. Uh, we do primarily residential real estate. We do um, multifamily rental, primarily affordable housing, market rate housing, housing and mixed income housing. Uh, we like to take on transformational projects, projects that maybe a lot of other developers would think are crazy. Uh, they tend to be very complicated. We like um, the more complicated, the better, is what people like to say at Trinity. Um, and for sure, this is one of those complicated projects. Over the past 35, year, or 30, yeah, 35 years, we have um, done over $3 billion worth of development. We've also have a managed property management company, and we've built um, over 9,500 homes. Um, one of the things that we like to do is um, incorporate historic tax credits into historic buildings. Uh, we find that's one of the key tools that the government has to help um, save and salvage and rehabilitate historic buildings. Um, we're also very familiar with infrastructure grant programs, um, really in order to transform large-scale projects and improve communities. Um, we, as I said earlier, we like complicated developments, and we'll show you some of those. Um, our team that we pulled together, some members are here tonight, uh, some members will join us at subsequent meetings. Our design team led by Icon Architecture and Clopper Martin Design Group. We have uh, a full range of consultants that you'll um, be reading due diligence from traffic consultants, um, infrastructure consultants, um, hazmat, environmental engineers. Uh, one of the key, um, key, uh, key um, moments is that, or key things is that we've worked with this team for many years. Uh, we've done multiple projects with them. Uh, for many years, I only did projects with Icon Architecture um, and loved them. So they're well versed in the type of buildings that you see up at Midfield State Hospital. Yes? We will be posting this on the town's website, um, but we, we didn't print out this entire thing. But we will be posting it 
Um, we're going to talk a little about uh, some of the developments that we think are relevant to Medfield State Hospital. This is the um, Boston, Boston, former Boston Specialty Rehab Hospital in Mattapan, uh, the Mattapan neighborhood of Boston. This was um, owned by the Boston Public Health Commission and we took it on when it was in really rough shape. Uh, we rehabbed it into 332 apartments. Um, it took five phases to redo this. Uh, it involved um, historic rehab and also new construction as well. And Kevin McCarthy, who's joining us on Zoom, um, was the lead in that project, um, really focused on the campus setting. And uh, one of the key components of it was working really closely with the neighborhood. Um, the neighborhood surrounded the development and um, was key and instrumental in how the project eventually was built. One of the first developments I worked on was on the Appleton Mills, which is in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, we created 130 units of affordable housing for artists here. Um, at some of our very first community meetings, we heard from the Lowell artists that they were being pushed out of the community by um, you know, market rate condominiums and that um, they, we really ought to focus on the artists and keeping them in Lowell. Uh, when we came to this building, um, basically you could stand on the ground floor and touch the ceiling because it had collapsed. Um, I remember I was pregnant at the time with my first child and I remember standing in there thinking I shouldn't be in this building, like no one should be in this building. Um, so that was, uh, that was our team in there. And um, this was really a building where it was questionable whether there was enough historic fabric to save the buildings. And we had to get an opinion from Mass Historic Commission and the National Park Service um, Department of the Interior to indeed confirm that there was enough building left that we could use historic tax credits to help um, finance its rehabilitation. You'll see on the left um, some of the wide open spaces that were in the initial buildings. These buildings were not suitable for residential. You know, they were not designed as residential. They were very inefficient with large spaces in between um, that really could not be used. So Icon Architecture really celebrated uh, the structure and uh, really made a contemporary gallery space that is used by the artists that live in there. So here's some more pictures of it. Um, what, one of the things that we really enjoy doing is taking a project's history and bringing it into the branding of the redevelopment. Um, this one, we really focus on the canals and the mills and all of the newspaper stories that you read about um, in Lowell and the many textile strikes that took place at the property. So that was a very fun project to work on. Uh, we've also done a lot of um, high-end luxury market rate development. Um, this is one of those developments called Boston East. It's on the East Boston waterfront. Um, also with Icon Architecture, um, we really had the opportunity to really clean up a site that had been abandoned um, for many years. Um, it was underutilized, um, really not a beautiful place to be and uh, working with ICON, utilizing state infrastructure funds called MassWorks program, we were able to rebuild the harbor walk along this 
and uh, connect this property to other properties in East Boston. Um, you'll see some of the images and the branding that we created, and uh, that was great to work on. I'm going to pass it over to Kendra to talk a little bit. Great. Thanks, Abby. Can you all hear me? Wonderful. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad that you invited us out. I wanted to say as I drove out this afternoon, I just felt the weight of the city sort of coming off my shoulders, driving down the swooping roads and, and the open space and the low stone walls. The landscape here is really incredible. It's really incredible. So thank you. Uh, my name is Kendra Halliwell. I'm an associate principal at Icon Architecture. We are a woman-owned, women-run firm with about 50 people in downtown Boston. I've been there over 20 years. Abby, some of the projects Abby was showing, I worked on as well for many, many, many years. Um, to, to reiterate that we like complicated projects. Uh, the Appleton project, she showed, you saw the photographs of the condition of, of that the Appleton Mills building. What we actually did was we took it apart, we pulled the iron columns out of the middle, put them aside, recreated the wooden beams that were running across that atrium and brought the columns back in and put it together and created a wonderful five-story atrium. So that's, that's a project we're really proud of. Um, another one in Boston East also was incredibly complicated before the project even really got started, uh, there was a long-term permitting, pro permitting process where we did a land swap for different types of zones, properties, in order to get the buildable land so, we, so that we could build this building. So you name it, we've, we've done it, right? <laughs> um, so a few of the projects that ICON has done that I thought would be interesting to share with you are here on the screen. These are all historic, uh, historic, um, tax credit projects and they're all adaptive reuse. The middle building in the middle on the bottom, the white building there is in Boston near Nubian Square. That building is struck, has a structural marble skin. It's one of, I think, two buildings in the city are like that. And it was in incredibly bad condition. We worked with a sculptor out of California to rebuild the details on that building in order to bring it back. The previous owner had gone in and cut out structure um, while, while the building was occupied. Uh, we just won a Songus Award for the Fitchburg City Hall that's here on the lower, lower left. We're very pleased with that one. And another one that we recently finished with Trinity that Bethany worked on is the Arlington Mill, which is here in the top center. And that's how many units, Bethany? 102. 102. So ICON Architecture, we've built over 20,000 new homes for people in Massachusetts over the last 20 plus years. And uh, we're really excited to be here to, to help you look at reusing this incredible campus. I'm gonna pass this over here to Mark to talk about Klopfer Martin's work. Thanks, Kendra. Uh, so my name is Mark Klopfer. Um, I am one of the two partners of Klopfer Martin Design Group. We are also a women-owned business. Uh, my partner, Kaki Martin, joined me in 2006, so we are gonna be 16 years old this year. Uh, we're about 20 people in our firm um, from all over the world, actually. It's a really interesting part of being in Boston is that you can have a really interesting and diverse group of design talent. Um, so our work is all over in terms of scale, size. We're mostly in this region, but we've done some international projects as well. 
Um, if anyone's ever been to China and Shanghai, we designed the riverfront uh, called Shanghai Bund in Shanghai. Um, more locally, however, we did a project that's very similar to this. So in the top left corner, uh, this is the Brookline um, uh, uh, Reservoir Park. Um, and it, was, it was similar in that it was an MWRA reservoir that was decommissioned, and the town of Brookline bought it. Um, and they redeveloped housing on the other side of the street that paid for this park to be made. Um, and then we came in as a 10-acre um, site, and we converted it from being a reservoir to actually having a soccer field uh, on its lowest level, and then used the embankments of the reservoir to be uh, spectators. You sort of get a sense of that here. Um, it also had a historic gatehouse as part of it, which was on the National Register, uh, and we built a new contemporary comfort station. So if you've never been to this park, it's kind of tucked away on Fisher Hill, right off of Route 9. Uh, it's a really interesting place. It was a really wonderful project for us to work on. Um, so as landscape architects, we do a whole range of things. So uh, also shown here is a playground that we did in Somerville. We do a fair amount of those. Um, this is a nature center that we did out in Boylston for uh, a woman who's become quite a patron of open space. So she'll buy really large tracts of land. Um, most of them are adjacent to conservation land and we'll open it to the public. And here we worked with architects to do uh, a visitor center and then worked with her to do the trail system. Um, and we also do a fair amount of um, multifamily housing, uh, the landscape components of that as well. But what we're really excited about here is that you have a really beautiful landscape on a really important historic site. And that's what we find really exciting about this project. Thank you. So um, just a few distinctive features of what we had proposed, and, and we've been following the Medfield State Housing um, process for many years. When you were working on your master planning exercise, um, we were following that. Um, we've read your master plan. Uh, we had visited the buildings um, a couple of years back and um, really fell in love with the buildings. Um, so from our perspective, approaching this development was all about how we could save the buildings. Um, there are 27 uh, buildings on the site that contribute to the National Register. Um, they're considered contributing buildings and are eligible for historic tax credits. Um, so that was a key focus of ours. Um, we also recognized that one of the goals of the town was to create really high quality housing at different levels, um, you know, of affordability, different sizes, different options. So people that live in Medfield now or want to downsize could have a place to go and others, new families that were coming into town and not quite ready to buy a place would also have opportunities as well. So we've created housing along the different um, spectrum of affordability. Uh, we knew that there's um, existing access to open space that's um, desired, that happens right now. We know there are groups um, like the Norfolk Hunt Club uh, that definitely use parts of the site. There's dog groups that go out and visit it, and we knew that's important to Medfield. Um, we also wanted to bring in this team that we're familiar working with. Um, as Kendra said, though I, I hesitate to say there's nothing we haven't seen because I'm sure we'll find something on this. Um, but um, we are excited to, to work with this team and what we think we've brought to the, um, to the uh, 
conversation is an understanding of what are the complexities that face this site. We recognize it will need new utilities. We recognize that the buildings will need major renovation and remediation. Um, and we bring that level of experience to the project. Um, I'm trying to click through here. Uh, what our proposal does is create uh, 334 apartment homes um, at two well, at market rate and affordable levels. 75% um, of the project will be market rate apartments and 25% will be affordable. Um, we are supporting and um, in full favor of the Cultural Alliance of Medfield and what they are doing with the Belforge Art Center on site. Uh, so we've been working with them and part of our plan is to contribute to that center. Um, we want to create an opportunity for the public to continue to enjoy the development and um, that's a key part of why we're bringing folks here tonight. We want to hear from you as to what's important to you. And um, as Todd mentioned earlier, the town is now retaining the green, the Northfield, and the Arboretum. Um, that was initially part of our plan, but we are um, adjusting accordingly. I'm going to turn it back to Kendra. Thanks, Abby. So there's this fabulous overhead view of the campus. You can see the core of the of the um, of the park. Um, we call it a park. It feels like a park when you're out there. Um, as Abby noted, there are 27 buildings that we're looking at. Um, we've had the team out several times to to look at the site, look at the buildings. Let's go to the next slide. Starting. Oh, hi. <laughs> great, great. So. Uh, we're here to talk to you to hear about what you want to see of this campus and of this site in the future. But we're starting by looking at the buildings and assessing their, uh, their condition. Now, they're in really good condition, but we are, we are finding a few things. So uh, what we've done is we've hired a team of people. I don't know, some of you have been out here walking might have seen people in suits with gear. Uh, they've gone into all of the buildings with their gear and they've done point cloud measurements. So they've walked through and set up a stake with a, with a camera on it that looks all the way around it and takes point measurements of everything. So that's what you're seeing here at the lower, um, lower left. That's a plan of a building showing a floor level. So it's taking measurements of everything. I think it, it impressed us when we heard him say there, in each building, let's say on average, there are 16 million point measurements. And so that's a lot of information. And I think that it's also all put together into a 3D campus of the point clouds as well. So this is a reference for us, and the town has this information as well. You could go into it using a, using a software, and you can go um, look at it in more detail. So we've got that as a reference, as well as actual three-dimensional Revit drawings, which is the tool that architects use to do the further work. So, we're a good, huge step ahead by having this incredible team that has provided this information. So these are a couple of the images that they've provided. I think this that dark image right there on top shows um, what it looks like when you're in the point cloud and you can sort of look around. It's kind of, it's like Google Earth in black and white inside a building. You can go from point to point and look around. In the, in the areas where the floors were in bad, bad condition, 
or they weren't able to get into a space because the door was locked or something was blocking it, then they didn't measure those areas. So everyone stayed safe. Great, so I've got a couple of slides here that talk about our preservation approach. Um, these are not big buildings, much as that, that Appleton building, that building was huge. It was 100 feet deep, so we had to figure out what to do with all the square footage. In this case, these buildings are fairly slender. So we are looking at trying to minimize um, extra corridors, right? It's not a big building. There's no atrium here. We're really trying to minimize common space and look for opportunities for people to have doors straight into, into a, an apartment or, or home. So what you're seeing here are just a couple of examples of some of the building footprints. There are a lot of the buildings mirror. So we've just sort of looked at some of those typicals. Um, and what we're looking at is what, where are the front steps? Um, how does someone come into a building? Picking an example here. Um, for example, on buildings three and 11, you might come in the front steps and into a central hall and then go into the separate homes off that space. So we're not, at, we're, we're not adding doors on the outside of the buildings. From the outside, you want, we want it to look like how it looks now, but, but better. So that's sort of the design exercise that we've been going through. So we've circled here in blue some of these outdoor porches that we want to use. And then we're paying attention to places where there might be, I think in some cases there might be an, a door added but we're doing this working with the historic consultant who has worked on these sorts of buildings quite a bit. And, and there's a lot of conversation. It's meticulous back and forth with the, um, with the um, historic consultants. Thanks. Oh, go back one more. Thanks. So this, is, this shows sort of how we're looking at breaking up the building a little further, where there's an opportunity off the porch to have three doors into three homes. We're doing that. Again, so that we don't have a lot of common space. Next slide. Here are a few interiors. I don't know how many of you have been inside the buildings. There's some wonderful character that we'd like to preserve. You know, whether it's preserving it or um, cleaning it and replacing it, those are things that we're going to be exploring as we move forward. But these are going to be really character defining in these homes for, for the future residents. I'd like to say a, a word also about sustainability here. The greenest building is a building that's already here. You know, we don't want to tear them down. They've got such character, such um, steadfastness. We couldn't build them like this nowadays. And so making the most of what you have here is what we'd like to do. We're going to look for ways to preserve um, and improve the, improve the energy efficiency, whether it's using electric systems, we'll look for opportunities maybe for solar panels on the flat roofs. You know, we're balancing between um, improving efficiency and maintaining the historic character. So again, it's going to be a, a real back and forth. So a few images that we had put in our initial proposal for the site that um, hope, we hope show some of the excitement here. We see the center of the campus is a real potential art center using um, as a center for this um, arts-focused campus. Um, there are views and linkages to the outdoor spaces around the site as well as within the site. I think we're looking at improving the, the streets internal to the site as well, um, as well as really making the most of um, 
bringing people together, both the people who will be living here and the, the greater community, because we want it to remain welcoming to everybody. And I think I pass this on to Mark to talk about the site itself. Uh, yeah, so as you all know, having been out on the site, I'm sure, there's some really wonderful trees on this site. Uh, many of them probably date back to when this campus was originally designed and built in the 1890s. Um, so of course we're, we're interested in keeping ones that are healthy uh, intact. The ones that aren't looking so good need to be replaced. And thinking about what is the landscape character is something that's really important. Um, Abby mentioned uh, the Department of Interior, the National Park Service has guidelines for buildings, historic buildings. They also have guidelines for landscapes. Um, and that's something that I'm familiar with from my past life before I started KMDG. And I think that's the lens that we look at historic landscapes through. So there's some really wonderful spaces here on this campus that we're trying to uh, accentuate um, and, and sort of reinvigorate uh, in some ways. So the entrance drive is really important, the original entrance drive, how one arrives here where one arrives, how the spaces are framed. Um, so these front trees along uh, this southern edge of the campus are really important as a frame. And then the buildings themselves start to have set up as a hierarchy between where the administration buildings were, uh, where the sort of chapel town hall space was and how that becomes part of the art campus. Uh, the larger buildings in the center have a different sort of character to them, both in terms of architecture and in terms of the landscape. The back fields there in the south uh, becomes much more quad-like with the removal of some of the more recent uh, buildings uh, in that location. And then having the, um, the sort of individual dormitory buildings frame that space um, really start to uh, accentuate what really is the summit of a hill, right? It falls off in all directions when you're there. So the original planners made this campus sit on the very top of the hill. Uh, and then the buildings reinforce that and the streets reinforce it. So one of the things we'll be working with, with Matt uh, and VHB, who we work with all the time and everything from campuses to hospital projects we've worked on, um, is how to make these streets serve the contemporary needs. So when this was a small campus and there were very few vehicles on it, it's going to be different um, than how it is in the future when people, lots of people are living here in homes. Um, but we want to keep the dimension of those streets and the character of those streets intact um, because that's part of the landscape character. So that's one of the questions about how transportation is going to work here. Um, so this starts to get to that. We have one of the things that we found really interesting about this campus is the way that there's sort of uh, a loop that goes on the outside of these buildings. And we see that as the major way that cars will move in the future and trying to keep the inner zone just a pedestrian street because of the scale of those streets. Um, so it's much like it is today. We saw, we were out there this afternoon, just like every time we've been out here before, there's lots of people out walking their dogs. You can tell that there are some people who are clockwise people and some people who are <laughs> counterclockwise people. <laughs> we know who you are out there. Uh, and, and that is gonna be retained as part of the really important part of what this landscape feels like to be on this campus. Um, and you can also see from the key that we're talking about one-way and two-way circulation. That's something that Matt is going to investigate with us as, we, as this project goes ahead further. So on the side here, you start to see some of the images that we brought in the proposal stage uh, to this project. And these are, these are projects from all around the world. Actually, up there on the top left is the PepsiCo World Headquarters in Purchase, New York. 
what is possibly interesting and how that can be compared to this project. Well, you'll see that there's this drive that goes around that. If anyone's ever been to PepsiCo, it actually is a corporate headquarters, but also is a really beautiful sculpture park. It's open to the public. If you ever find yourself in Purchase, New York, go check it out. One of the things that's really interesting about it is that all of the parking, you look at it, you don't really see parking. So the parking is put into landscape rooms, and that's a really important way that it functions. It takes care of something that's very essential, and having cars sort of tuck, this is another example of that in a different place, another one down here. Not aggregating cars into one gigantic surface lot, but thinking about how to be more strategic um, so that they're close to the individual units, but they're, in, they're tucked into a landscape so they don't become so uh, an obtrusive uh, uh, fixture. So we're thinking about these as sort of landscape rooms and scattering them um, throughout the campus. So I'll turn it back over to Kendra for architectural precedents. Just a couple more slides here to touch on. We would like to bring both the landscape into the buildings and see where we can bring, um, bring some of the character of the interior of the buildings out into the landscape to really tie it together. There's a wonderful um, depth of material that I think we want to use to, to bring up into the landscape as well. Next slide. Uh, and then, of course, I wanted to share just some of this amazing imagery of imagining what this what this site will look like when the buildings are all lit up and filled with um, with joy and um, and creativity and people on the inside. So that there's that was a view right at the center of the campus. Thank you, and then a view of the, the which also includes. I'll just point out, you know lighting to make the site safe at night you know, for people to walk home. Next slide. And then this depicts that inner inner uh, pedestrian loop for people to walk on in the middle of the site in the center as well, to really enjoy. Thank you. We also have included public art as um, kind of our connection with the um, Belforge Art Center, which is really important to us. Um, what we wanted to quickly run through, and we're happy to take your questions on, is what we've been up to um, since we've been provisionally designated developer. And uh, this is a little bit hard to read, I'm sorry for that. Um, but I can basically give you an overview. Um, when we first submitted our response to the RFP, uh, we did a fiscal analysis and talked about what the benefits would be to the town of Medfield, what the proposed costs would be, and we came upon that there would be a net financial benefit to the town. We've been since working with the town to update that. Our consultant has been having conversations with um, Mo at the DPW, with the superintendent's office to make sure that our numbers aligned. So that will be coming forth um, before the town meeting so that everyone will have all of the information that we've been gathering. Uh, we've been doing a um, market study on the rental market. People have asked, how do you know there's enough demand for these units? And uh, we've had a study done to confirm that. Uh, we've also talked about the gun range. Uh, for us, the gun range was um, a concern because we could hear the uh, firing noises from the campus. So we've been studying alternatives and ways to mitigate the noise. 
Um, we've also been looking, as Kendra said, uh, going into the buildings, figuring out what they really look like, what historic material is there, um, what the floor plans are so that we can better plan. Uh, we've been doing a traffic study and we will have that available to share. We've been having um, conversations and with the town about utilities and roads and, and will there be uh, one-way roads or two-way roads and what would really work for the town, um, making sure that um, this works for the DPW, making sure that there's appropriate fire and um, emergency access is key. Um, finally, we've been um, working to determine what types of permits will be needed um, as we go forward into the process. After the town meeting, where hopefully the town approves us moving forward, there will be a long permitting process. Um, we will need to get approval from the National Park Service, approval from Mass Historic, um, we will need to go through the MEPA process and get a notice of project change. So it's not um, it's not over. It only just begins after that town meeting for us. Um, we will also be working with the um, Mass Historic and National Park Service um, for the historic tax credit use. Um, what we have been doing since the provisional designation is submitting what's called the part one to the Mass Historic um, to make sure that they're in agreement that these buildings are historically significant. Uh, we're not, I hate to say we're not concerned about that because the minute I say it, you know something is going to come up concerning. But we, we, we obviously believe the buildings are on the National Register. They're, they're very historically significant. Um, and finally, we have been working uh, through the legal and title aspects of the project. Um, we're doing a full title rundown and uh, working with the um, town on a land disposition agreement. So, um, we will now open it up to questions and uh, we'll take questions on anything. Uh, we may or may not have all the answers right now because a lot of this work is still in progress. Following the questions, we will then um, give you a chance to come up and take a look at these images. We will provide you a way to give feedback. And um, yeah, we're, we're here, so we'd love to take your questions. And we're gonna go around. One of the things is we're gonna limit the question and response to two minutes so that we get everyone, everyone gets a chance to talk um, if they want, and um, we will be timing you. I was wondering if you anticipated a retail space there and also transportation. Um, could there, there be public transportation into the town? Um, we haven't talked about public transportation with the town um, from that's something we could talk about, um, but we have not proposed public transportation and we have not proposed retail space. Uh, we, we also think there's not the demand for it, um, and that we really um, do not want to pull away from Medfield's downtown. Um, so that's the response to that. Yes? Are you planning to do this on a phased basis? So right now, oh yes. The question was, are you planning on doing this on a phased basis? And right now we're not. Um, our plan is to engage potentially two to three construction firms to um, to uh, rehabilitate the buildings at one time. 
um, we think a phase basis could draw out the project for many more years than is necessary. So that's our approach. So you don't you don't you don't uh, intend to have any of the properties occupied until the whole system is complete. I wouldn't say that. I mean, ideally, if there is a way to occupy some of the buildings earlier, but we, we would still need to make sure there were safe access roads and things like that. But that's not our intention. But again, we're just starting to get into the planning of this um, right you, now. You talked about rentals, but I didn't hear you talk about ownership. Are you planning to be able to, to sell them like HOAs or something? sort of thing like that? So with the historic tax credit, they must remain rental for five years. At that point after which there would be an opportunity potentially to convert them to home ownership. That's not something we typically do as a company, um, but it is a potential way to go in the future. Um, but it's not something we've typically done before as a company. Well, I noticed you had 9,600 people died. 7,600 to manage. I wonder what happened to the rest of them. <laughs> well, many times um, we will build with, especially with market rate housing, we will build the building, we will rent it up. Um, some of the buildings we hold for many years. Sometimes our investor partner will want to sell the buildings and they're sold, the development is sold, but it's sold as a rental property. So it's not individual condominiums. It's not converted to individual condominiums. Okay, we've got two minutes. Abby, there's a question back here. If I may, I have two questions, if possible. Okay. Uh, will you design to tax sky mining uh, concepts? Where, where did that question come from? There you are. I think that's a great question, and, and I'm not going to commit to that, but I think that this would be a site that we would want to consider that for. In the sense that actually, oh, sorry, I, I need to repeat the question. Sorry, Kevin. The question is, would we include dark sky lighting on this, on this property? Uh, the answer would be yes, that would be our Big question. I'm just going to repeat repeat it for those who are. Or, do you want to repeat that? Uh, the question is: the town of Medfield residents enjoy the property, and what provisions are we making so that they can can continue to come and enjoy the property? We are going to be including parking for residents of the property and parking for residents of Medfield who come to access the property. So right now, I think in our parking projections, we've included 112 spaces for guest parking, and we can, I think those are part of the conversations we want to have tonight. What do you think is the right number? Uh, what do you think that should be? We also know the Cultural Alliance of Medfield has parking planned for its development, so. But also, uh, 
a lot of the. Okay, so my colleague on Zoom wanted me to say that all of our properties are intended to become part of the community. Um, we're not we're not putting a gate at the front saying don't come in. Uh, these will be public roads, as Todd mentioned earlier. Many of the large swaths of open space will be retained by the town. Uh, we just had a conversation earlier today with the Norfolk Hunt Club, who educated us on what that is and their needs to access the town, and we think that's incredible. Uh, the fact that we were in a meeting learning about um, hounds and hunt club, I, I could not even imagine that would be my day, but it was a great part of it. So we, um, we want to know what's important to you, what parts of the town are important. I think we might also uh, want to know where do you think that you, you described it as convenient parking for visitors. I think uh, one of the things we're going to want to ask of you all is where do you want that access? How do you want to use the land? And so those are things that maybe we can have, um, you know, looking at the site plan together. Abby, there's a couple of questions by Zoom. Do you mind if I read them to you? Sure. Okay. Um, when the Trinity facility is fully built out, how much money does Medfield expect to collect in property and other taxes per year? What is the expected cost to the town for plowing streets, educating, the expected number of children, providing additional programs for senior citizens, etc. Okay, so this these are the figures that we presented in our proposal, and a couple things have changed since then. Um, by the time before the town meeting, we will have an updated version of this. But uh, we proposed, um, given the 334 units, the unit mix that was initially um, proposed there would be over a million dollars in property taxes and $160,000 in vehicle excise taxes for total revenues of $1.2 million annually, um, ex annual expenses of $485,000 uh, for net revenue, tax revenue of $716,000. Since we uh, initially proposed our development, we gotten some feedback on the proposed um, unit mix. Um, we've added more three-bedroom units in response to guidelines so that all of the units could be considered uh, for the town's subsidized housing inventory. So these numbers have changed a bit. We've also been engaging with the Department of Public Works. We've been engaging with um, the superintendent to really firm up the numbers on schools. And uh, we now know that we've reached agreement with the superintendent on those proposed school numbers. Um, so we are um, updating this, but this is kind of what we proposed initially. Any more questions in the room? About the unit I can go on this. Do you plan to segregate houses such as over 50 and? Over 50 and uh, we have not planned to segregate. 
our, um, as a company, we, we mix in the affordable units with the market rate finish units, and they all have the same level of finishes. Um, those are all mixed into the property, so like in a normal town, you know, a regular city or, or you don't know what your neighbor's income is, uh, so that would be the same here. I wasn't from that standpoint, I was talking about age. Age. We have not proposed at this point in time age-restricted housing in a certain section of, of the property. I saw a slide there on the schedule. Can you give us kind of a, a layout of what will happen, assuming it gets approved uh, this summer? Um, what would be the, the sequence over, you know, until we reach a point where people actually start occupying the property? Yes. So um, the schedule assumes a town meeting vote in June. Um, at that point, we would really start to dig into the design and permitting. Um, there, it will take a lot of work um, and many months to get these buildings or to get our plans ready for a contractor to come in and to read. Um, we will be working on pulling together our financing, uh, finding an investor partner, finding a lender. Uh, we will also be going through a significant community process and public um, permitting process. So that all will lead up to a uh, construction commencement in March of 2024. Now, that is hopefully the outside date. We'd love to, to start construction by the end of 2023. Um, but as Kendra said, there's a lot of work to be done designing of utilities, designing of um, roads and, and infrastructure, um, also planning out the proper remediation and how that will work. So there's a lot of work to be done following the town meeting. Just to follow up, during those time periods, um, how will people have access to the to the campus? Will they be able to continue to walk dogs and use it? And during construction, what access would they have to the uh, to the core campus? Sure. So during the uh, what we propose is that during the permitting and all of that, we will not own the property. Uh, Trinity will not, the town will not sell the property to Trinity until we have all of our, um, have dotted all of our I's and crossed our T's. So there's no chance that uh, the town sells the property to Trinity and it sits there for years. Um, so the, the, the property will be owned by the town still. So we would anticipate, and I need Todd to confirm that, the access would remain as it is today. Um, once construction commences, Trinity will um, turn it over to Kevin, and you'll have Kevin's cell phone number if uh, you need to get walk your dog. Um, but it is our understanding safety is the most important component of this redevelopment. Uh, we'll maintain as much access to the site as possible, but obviously want to keep folks and their pets and you know children. Um, away from any significant construction. A little commentary to that. Uh, during construction, the... I'll repeat what he has to say. I don't think people can hear you, Kevin. Uh, 
Okay. That's 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 fair because I can't hear them either. Um, during construction, the construction zone will be fenced off and not accessible to dog walkers. However, if you looked at that earlier slide, that is just the middle the middle acreage. There's still plenty of wide open space all around the outside of what we are redeveloping. Will not so be impacted by construction. So he's saying that during construction, we will be creating a fenced-off area around the buildings, and there will be still open space accessible. I think it's just a matter of the streets and kind of managing construction. But we've um, fortunately worked on many complicated projects where we've allowed access during construction and are um, recognized that it's important to the community, the spirit of the community, to be able to access that, the site. <coughs> I uh, first want to thank you for coming tonight. So it's, it's a very, very interesting presentation. Uh, I frankly I expected as much, and I was, I was pleased to see it. Um, just just a couple of comments. Uh, I would hope, and I've made this comment before, uh, that we get the public get sufficient time to review the new performance before the town meeting. Uh, I I would be very upset if it showed up three days before the town meeting, four days before the town meeting. And, and I'm sure the, the committee knows that. I've mentioned this before. Uh, a couple of just uh, other questions. Um, in your proposal, you had listed three significant issues or complexities that you thought added to the, to the project. You, you addressed one of them, the gun range, uh, that was still in the works. The, the other two were, one of them was the um, scattered nature of, of, the, of the property. And the, the other one um, was the floor plates or the construction of the buildings. So I think I heard you address the buildings. And you, so you would apparently have seemed to have overcome whatever complexities there were, whatever uh, significant issues that you have with it. But what about the scattered nature of the property? Is that still affecting your uh, proposal? I mean, it's, it's a complication, and it's going to be a complication to, I think we've come to realize it may not be one construction contractor who does all of the buildings. It may be a combination of them, so that's how we've come to think about it. Um, but again, I Trinity has this uh, problem, for better or worse, we, we fall in love with buildings. So, you know, I think the complicating factors are, uh, except for the gun range. The gun range, we're not falling in love with the gun range. But um, the complicating factors we're coming to embrace. Um, as Kendra mentioned, we've had teams in there doing this incredible work, um, and we will be forwarding those um, images to the town. It, it's truly a, a and science that we did not even know about that this could be done. So we've learned about the floor plates. Um, we trust ICON to be able to navigate that. And the complicated nature of the scattered sites is, is something we're, we're just, we're just going to deal with. Um, I, one more uh, question. In going through the proposal, I noticed that in the list of the permits, I'm obviously, the committee knows I'm concerned about the environmental issues and in terms of the but um, 
I saw a list of elevator permit, but when I looked at the preliminary plans for the buildings, I saw no elevators. And so is there a plan to have elevators in the buildings? Great question. There are just a couple of buildings that have, a, have existing elevator cores in them, and I think we, we would like to look at reusing those. You know, because of the pitched roofs on most of these buildings, we'd rather not add an elevator in such a small floor plane. So we're really we're looking at either uh, either you know, small sort of flat apartments where we have stairs that are accessible inside. Another thing that we're looking at is duplexing units, right? So where you have a building that's two stories, you could potentially make it an apartment or or um, or home that is two stories within that. Again, working within the limitations of what the historic consultant advises. So we are going to look at. Uh, the most, uh, where there are elevator cores that we can reuse. I don't remember the building numbers that have those right this minute, um, but we want to reuse those. I think there's one in the center of campus and maybe in building seven, maybe 13 as well. 13 as well, yeah. So one, one, one last question. Um, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to write home, so she's been putting up with my questions on the hospital for 13 years. So she's not a um, The um, you, your use of space, you were not planning to use, at least in your proposal, the attics or the basements. Has there been any change in that? Yes, a little bit. There, uh, and I actually, I, I was thinking I, I meant to, to fill you in on one other aspect. I called the structural engineer on my way up here this morning to ask him for an update on his structural report. We've asked um, Susa True to look at six buildings, I think the biggest ones on campus, to really get um, get to the meat of it. Um, so we are, he's looking at those, some of the structural concerns are in the, um, the valleys of the roofs. Right, that's sort of, there's been some deterioration there. So he's, he's putting those reports together now. Remind me of the, the core question. It was the attics and basements, right? So we now that we've got this incredible documentation, initially we didn't want to commit to it because the number of buildings, there are a lot of buildings, the site slopes. Now we've got this incredible documentation and we've walked through some of the buildings. So we've actually been able to look at where there are full height and full windows in that lower level that open out onto the back. I think like building 29 sort of opens down to the back, so that, you know, why not use that space? It's already there. And I think we might have some units that sort of go down into that. And similarly, um, the attics are incredible. I don't know if you've been in those attics, but these soaring spaces with incredible structure. Uh, the challenge there is there's this incredible structure and incredible square footage and height and scale, but there's not a lot of windows up there. Now, if we weren't following the historic tax credit um, you know, guidelines, we'd put a bunch of dormers up there, get a lot more square footage up there, but we're not doing that. We're looking at where there are windows up there, and you know these buildings? When you look up and you see a window, those are the places where we're looking at popping up into those to take that over as, as residential square footage. Not new units, but expanding the existing. 
Right. So that means if there's a, an attic with a you know with a nice window up there, then that second floor apartment might have a bedroom on that upper floor. So we're not we're not overloading these buildings. We're also probably thinking about using some of that attic space for mechanical. You know, we're going to have to figure out where you know mechanical aren't pretty, but that's going to be a big part of what we we need to figure out where that stuff goes. So that might be an opportunity for that space. Does that answer your question? Next question here, with regard to over 55, uh, with respect to many residents living here for many years and enjoying this property, would you consider a, a section for over 55? And will that be back in conversation? We can consider it. Uh, we haven't considered it to this point, so I don't have the answer for you, but it's something we can take a look at. Um, and that I guess my question to you is the interest there is having a part of the site that's restricted to people over 55. Are, you're interested in specific buildings being over 55, restricted, age restricted? Um, I don't know. Um, maybe a section, maybe a building, um, but consideration to the people who have been here for many years to have that option. Yeah, we will put that down and um, get back to you. Yes. Uh, hi. Uh, my understanding is that the number of units, I think, is 334 units. Right. And that the all rental. And I think the town gets credit for those as being low income. Correct. So if you sell the, the units in five years, 10 years, does the town lose those credits? Or do you I don't have the answer to that, but we can. Okay. The zoning requires a regulatory agreement, so it will stay with the property. The unit. Sorry. The unit. Sorry. Depending on what would happen, the units would retain the affordable units would remain affordable in perpetuity, um, and if. The other units, the market rate units, were to um, be sold, that those would not be part of the subsidized housing inventory. I have a couple more minutes. Um, I'm not sure who was mentioned, but you had said that uh, a number of architects, people had been injured in the building to assess them. And the comment was that they were in great shape. I was stunned to hear that. Maybe, maybe they're in better shape than we think right now. Uh, uh, I, I was also surprised to hear that too because uh, some of the, I mean, Kendra's seen, as you, we said, she was in this building that had collapsed upon itself. Compared to that building, these these units have four walls and a roof, um, these buildings. So that's right. Yeah, we've had, there are parts of those buildings people cannot access because of water damage, because of mold, because of asbestos. So we have not been in every inch of those buildings. And I have. My comment goes to your due diligence and the condition of the buildings and how much work there is to be done. And not there any surprises. You know, and uh, like Bob was saying, you know, when I mean, we don't hear, uh, you know, we beforehand, you know, we need to change for some reason. But be that as it may, I guess we'll find out. Uh, my last comment is on the graph that you've got up there right now, it shows a little parking lot next to the water tower. Yes. I assume that that's not really going to be there because we're maintaining that. 
So what we are proposing is a parking lot that, so our general plan with parking was to create parking close to the buildings. Um, so if people rented an apartment, they would not have to walk across campus to get to their car every day. Um, we are proposing putting a parking lot in that uh, water tower area and are in discussions with the town about that uh, because that's not part of the disposition. Right. Right. Yeah. Can I just ask why? Um, there, there are, car, there are uh, houses that are nearby, and I, I just focus on what moves there. The thinking is, oh, geez, there's going to be a parking lot, there's lights there. Is the light going to be you know, shining over towards my property? It's it, it also just the fact that it's, it's, it is town owned property. So I hadn't thought that there would be parking lot. That came in a on the oh, um, QA as well. So okay, just about okay. that parking lot. So anything that's on the Q&A that we don't actually get to, we will make part of the record as well. So Great. You come to that part of Sir, you have had more than your two minutes. <laughs> I'm going to pass it on to someone else first. Um, thanks for coming. Uh, I really appreciate everything you've done. And so the unofficial historian for the hospital, um, I just want to place a bookmark for maybe for the landscape architect that I think there should be some small corner that is dedicated to as a memorial to the over 100,000 people that came through this hospital and benefited in their mental health and wellness and that was men women and children I don't think it needs to be a dark memorial I think it could be something uplifting um, the original trustees and original superintendent put in writing that there would be no dark spaces at this hospital. And they actually designed the building so that one building never casts a shadow on the building behind it. And that was by design. And I think that we could maybe have some small portion that is a small sculpture or something maybe Jean helps with that um, is a dedication to those pasties. John, thank you. I think that's a really great idea. And I know you in particular have been involved in a lot of the um, film production that's happened on the property. And, and I said earlier today, I haven't seen any of those films. And I do feel like um, there's an opportunity to celebrate the history of the hospital without getting into a um, spooky or, or grim, um, you know, feeling and um, we really have the opportunity to celebrate the wellness and spirituality and health that that um, site has brought to people in the past and currently i know during the pandemic many people went up there and um, walked through it and for us that's something to be celebrated and uh, it's a great idea oh wow <laughs> When we first started looking at this process, I have to admit, I was, I'm kind of a tree hugger, and, you know, just leave it alone, it's fine. But I'm really happy where this is today. I think you guys have put a lot of thought, effort, the things you're talking about are great. And I think I'm listening tonight, and we're a little whiny as a town right now. <laughs> we need to turn the frown upside down a little bit because this is a great opportunity. That's how I see it now. I flipped it, okay? So what we really need to do is get behind this 
100%, everybody, and let's move forward. The things that you're going to do to this campus and, and what it brings to the town, you know, it's, I, we, I, listen, I can be the same way. What's in it for me? You know what? This overall is going to be great for the town. And I think we just have to keep the positivity going. A lot of efforts going into it. I've attended, people in this room have attended many, many meetings, and a lot of people want to see it done and get, get it moving. So, two questions. The, 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 the gun range, I think you're talking about the one when you're 27, but I think, is that the one? Is that used exclusively by law enforcement? From what we understand, yes. So, what is, is there an acceptable use of a gun range? Is it zero? Is it between two and four o'clock in the afternoon? I'm just trying to understand what the prop, you know, what we need to do to, to get that balance to be important. Um, well, first of all, thank you because we appreciate positivity. You are not a whiny town. Um, we, we actually appreciate all of the words of support we've had. Um, the gun range, from our perspective, is a problem we need to solve. We've been in conversations with the town uh, about this. I know that um, the opportunities are for enclosure, potentially, that could um, dampen the noise uh, to the point where it's inaudible. Uh, so we're, we're looking at what that would take and, and how that could even be done because it is on state-owned land. So it's many conversations need to happen. Um, we've been working together with the town on that and feel like we're, we could see potential um, solution to it. Um, you know, from our perspective, it's something that has to be solved because we can't imagine doing a tour with uh, our financial partners, people that are gonna invest millions and millions of dollars in this project, and then hearing the, the shooting. Uh, it's unnerving, it would be a hindrance to the success of this property. So we um, will ask you to get behind us once we feel like we have a solution uh, that the town could get behind. There's three people here. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to question. Uh, there are so many points for those of us who were paying attention to the doctor situation closely. You question exactly where you stand on things. Can you go through your methods, go through your response to the initial? Responded. You responded with 
$2 million. That's, it's so, so weak a sum for this beautiful, beautiful piece of land up there. And you know, I wonder if you had rethinking that, that you come back to the town with a higher proposal. Uh, secondly, there are so many points in your response to the request for proposal that we haven't touched on tonight. You did very well in, in the ones you did, but uh, there's all manner of items there. Does anything stand out in your mind at this point that you have been solved with the town? And secondly, those of us who watch closely don't know who's negotiating for the town. You know, is it Todd? Is it the selectman? Who's negotiating the town's position? Um, I will let the town answer who's negotiating for the town, but as far as your question of is there a higher proposal, um, no. The, these buildings need a lot of attention. They are going to cost millions of dollars to restore. That public infrastructure is going to cost at least 20 to $40 million to restore. So while they are beautiful buildings, just as, as markers standing there, they are not habitable. They are not, um, you know, nothing is brought up to code. So if the buildings, if the desire by the town is to save the buildings, then the proposed purchase price and all of the public infrastructure money that we're proposing is, is what we can offer. Uh, we are 110% committed to saving those buildings, but if the town is looking for more money, it's, it's not going to come from our development team. You're looking at about a third of the money to be put into this development to come from tax sources, either tax credits, historical, or whatever, and, uh, and you're going to go to equity partners. And who, what for is, is it going to be Trinity, or is it some new firm that you're going to build? So Trinity will be the, the um, general partner of any ownership entity that is um, owns the property, as we do with most of our historic tax credit projects. The way that historic tax credits work is that a private um, insurance company will pay us the money that we use to rehab the buildings, and in return, they get tax they get credit on their taxes on their tax liability. So they will have an ownership piece, but they will not be the day-to-day -day managing member. So when something's wrong or you don't like that, the, the Norfolk Hunt Club cannot get across the lawn, uh, I'm sure I'll be the phone call that um, I will be getting your phone call. Uh, so we will be involved in this project um, from here on out. Um, as far as your question about who is negotiating on behalf of the town, we've been working with um, the town planning department, the town administrator, the development committee, the board of selectmen, they've all been involved in the process. I wouldn't say there's one point person. <laughs> yes, at least for the next year, if there's one point person, it might be the chair of the board of selectmen. But the, the point here, I think, actually, is we're relying far more heavily on the expertise of the development committee members, except for me, uh, and the uh, planning board to get to a reasonable uh, agreement on all this. Uh, 
clearly before we can go anywhere, it's going to be up to the, the taxpayers to show up at a special town meeting to approve this transaction. Uh, I think I can speak on behalf of the Board of Selectmen that we are doing our best to listen to what you all are concerned about and take that into account. But we actually are facing a challenge of threading about five needles simultaneously here. This has to be a, a project that at least is feasible financially for a company like Trinity to carry out. That's the, that's the fifth of the needles. The, for one of the needles is the historic preservation. Another one is, is to come up with something that connects with the town's history. Uh, another one is to do it in a way that responds to some of the environmental concerns and the energy concerns that we have. It is actually a very hard thing to keep all of the constituencies that actually have been vocal ever since we bought this property in 2014, to manage to figure out how to keep all of those constituencies reasonably satisfied in a way that this all pulls together into something that makes sense for the town, makes sense for the developer. Uh, so I, well, I, I can assure you we're going to try to do that the best that we can. Uh, and, and I, and you've been involved in this process, and you've been involved in these, and you can judge how good a job we're going to do on it. But we're trying to do that. Uh, this, in many ways, is a project that has more to do with the values that this town places on this property than the pure mercenary economics we can extract from it. Uh, for those of you who have ever listened to any of Richard DeSorger's presentations about houses and buildings in Medfield that aren't here anymore, I think this is one of those. It's one of those that is an order of magnitude bigger than some of the individual buildings Richard has talked about. So uh, that's what we're trying to do. Well, I've walked those buildings for 57 years, and, and I can promise you this that land is worth far, far more than some people in this town are valuing that. So um, we do have a couple more questions. I think we'll keep two, three last ones, and then we'll have um, folks. I'm still going to be here. We're all going to be here. And we'll, if you haven't had a chance to ask a question, we do have a box out uh, where you can drop us a note um, as well. So there was a woman over here. Yes. Hi. Over here. Thanks. Thank you. Um, another, there was another woman, too. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll get you both. I'll get you both. No, no, no. Go for it. Anyway, sorry. Um, I was interested in your due diligence slide. My name is Carol Reed. I don't know if this like town meeting. I just arrived. Um, it said that your water and sewer capacity study was being updated. I uh, got a brief answer from Kevin online. I have two questions. Um, in our community, I've been here 30 years, water capacity is a concern. And building here, I, I don't have the knowledge and background, but with the deadline being done by May 2022 and our vote in June, what organization is doing the water capacity study and when will we be able to see that? Because we have built a lot of new uh, places here in town. And the second question is, which I probably would find in your proposal, I apologize, is, is it from the Charles River Aquifer that the water will come from, from those wells? So, the great, thank you. You're welcome. 
Uh, the group that is doing the work is BHB, and I believe um, our uh, civil engineer is supposed to be on the phone or on the Zoom line to answer these questions. But if he's not, uh, we, uh, Jeff Ketteritz. So we will get you, I just don't want to, and Mo is here as well, um, and can answer some of those questions. So, so um, I'll, I'll just give a quick uh, brief kind of overview of where we are with the water capacity. Um, as far as water, we've, you know, over the last five or six years, we've done, um, you know, we've dropped our unaccounted for water from 31% down to about 15%. What that means is any leaks in the system, water that we are not being able to keep track of, we're able to capture that water now. Um, as far as our water restrictions, we have uh, better conservation um, with our water usage in town. And if you look what we do now, our capacity is 1.5 million gallons per day on average. We are about 1.1 to 1.15 million gallons that we're using, which opens up about 400,000 gallons uh, per day. That's about a 27% more water that we have available. So, um, and that 400,000 gallons is not what's gonna be used by this development. Um, I know there's numbers that are out there and it's far less than the 400,000 gallons that we have available daily. So, um, I'll just leave it at that, and as far as your question about where's the water coming from, it's between the Charles River and the Ponset. So all our, all our wells contribute to the system. It fills our water tanks, and so there's no, even if you're closer, that water, you may, may get some water from certain wells, but most of the time it's coming through the whole system. It depends on um, what the capacity of the, the storage tanks fill up, and then when water is, uh, ask for it'll delete from the tank, so you could be getting it from either Charles or the Boston. So it's not a, a true dedication. Well, we have the, the legion hasn't been getting up yet. Tillman's going to be added to. We've got so much more building going on that we haven't even begun to count. Maybe what you just said. Now, and as you so well know, we were reaching out to the MWRA months ago. With, with with the well three with our well three that we're doing a water treatment facility that's going to give us some redundancy in our system so we're going to have uh well six well three one two and four running so if we have any issues with our wells there is redundancy in the different wells now our 1.51 capacity now you talk about development in the future we could ask the ep to increase our capacity level depending on development. It's not a hard set number that they're never gonna give us more capacity. Now, I'm not saying they will, but that's that's what towns Take away what Bellis is doing to right. that one, and Medway and so forth. Everybody's using far more water. So we will have a uh, draft copy of this report to the town within the next week, and then um, that's, it's under our review right now, but we will get it to the town and then I'm sure they will post it.
Abby, this is Jeff on the line. If I could chime in just real quick, sorry our, for that. There's our, um, our uh, Jeff. If helpful, just to tack on what what Mo was saying, just for uh, a high level update on the on the capacity, what what the proposed program is is anticipated to generate is about sixty five thousand gallons per day. Uh, just for comparison's sake, I know I know Mo mentioned the the four hundred thousand gallons. Um, there was a roughly about one hundred fourteen thousand gallons anticipated in the last. Uh, master plan version, but understood as folks mentioned, there have been um, additional developments there, but just to, just to give some magnitude there, it's, we're looking at about 65,000 uh, gallons per day. Thank you. Sorry. Hi. Hi. You've um, kind of already answered this question, but I, I guess on what I think is important for me and my age in the mid-50s is that if I, I own my home, I eventually want to sell it. And so I'd like to move up there, but I don't want to rent. So I really hope that you there's some dedication to after five years for a certain amount of units to purchase. Because I think even seniors are, I mean, I don't want to, I, I, you know, I think it's really important to have that aspect. And second of all, because I haven't really had the time, are you keeping the horseshoe? I, like, we call this, Memphis State was a horseshoe. It's like the inside are all the buildings, the outside were all the green, is the outside the outside horseshoe is saying all green, correct? The, if you're talking, and I don't so know. This potential portion. Yes, that's the intent. If this is the bottom of the yeah, horseshoe. Yeah, that's the bottom of the horseshoe. Yeah. That's the open part, right? You go. Yes, that's so, what so we right now if you walk the outside and you see it all green, other than you talked about a little parking lot, uh, you're keeping that the way it is. Yes. Okay. However, today we did talk with the Norfolk Hunt Club about the need for um, a crossing of this portion of the land for their hunts. And um, there are, and now we heard tonight, potential parking that's more convenient. So Yeah, before all they need potential parking, right now people just park on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're talking maybe 20 Yes, but the primary road system is intended to stay um, okay. Right. So I guess more important is that I hope there are places after five years or six years that there are places to purchase. I think that's really important okay. for my age group. If I want to stay here, and I would like to stay here, I'd like to stay here. Thank you. But I'm not going to It's duly noted. I, I will say that um, we're not ruling it out, but we, we've not yet. Um, I think it's important to take this down. Interesting. We're voting on Okay. Yes, I'm going to take two more questions. The gentleman in the back and this woman in the front. Um, Sorry, he has a... I would have a lot enough voice even without the money. Um, so the master plan, the, the uh, MSH Master Planning Committee, there were a number of folks here tonight that were either resource committee members or on the committee. Can they raise their hand? So I want to thank this long process that they signed up, and Bill Mazzaro is at 78 years he's been involved in this, but uh, it feels that way. I want to thank them because I was not on that committee, but I had no life when I went to those meetings, and for four years that group talked about threading a needle of what looked like a ridiculous, like how are you ever going to do this? You're going to, you want to preserve it, you want to open space, but we have to be financially viable. And they came up with a master plan that people were saying, no one will bid on, and then I want to thank Trinity that you did, because that work 
There were dozens of meetings, lots of outreach, and I want to thank that committee for the work that they did to get us to this point, and I want to thank you for respecting that, um, because I think that's been the hidden fear all along. I said to Bill Mazzaro, when the zoning passed, if I was in favor of the zoning, but if we couldn't find a developer who could execute on that plan, I was going to be with him. I'm totally in favor of this. I am with the Culture Alliance. I want to say that I'm on the board of it, but I went through four years of meeting when there was no plan for that, and I strongly, I, I want to thank that committee. So thank you very much, and then. Yeah. But there was a question. <laughs> and the question is on the affordable housing. I know we are out of safe harbor now. And so within the town, um, to folks that are concerned about the development, I look at this as our best opportunity to take control again and get into Safe Harbor because we're at risk right now of a number of developments being pushed on the town of Medfield that we don't control because um, we're out of that five years. So with the new census. So is there any comment or concern or anyone else on how this contributes to that? Um, you know, in getting us back into Safe Harbor for 40B? I apologize. I was just messing with the slides, and I missed your question, Jerry. Could you repeat that? It was on Safe Harbor, to the fact that we're out of it, and what does this do to help contribute to get us back in? Okay, so we are out of Safe Harbor, and um, we do run the risk of an unfriendly 40B uh, being submitted to the town. But I think you're right. Um, if there's um, a level of efficiency moving forward with this, this could be a great project that'll take us over the 10% and then beyond, um, so that we wouldn't have to worry about unfriendly 40Bs in the future. Um, but again, much larger conversation with a lot of nuances. So I hope that helped. You don't get the permit anymore, That's correct. So that's what I, I, I could get in the weeds and you know I could. So um, I just wanted to say, it's, you know, as you know, the state hospital has been part of the housing production plan since its inception in 2016. So, thank you. Okay, final question. This one very similar to It's actually a little short, but I can give the update of when the water study will be done. I'm interested in a neighbor to the state hospital traffic study. When can we expect that? Just gave the, the traffic engineer a hard time, and he said within the next week as well. So we reviewed a draft, but there are some things we we're just going back to double check. So both should be at the same time. May I please ask a question? Just one last one. I know you said it was the last, but final, final. Um, so when when the construction is complete and it's time for return on, um, you know this great investment that uh, Trinity has made. Can you just uh, share a little bit about your you know, financial model and what do you anticipate the rental costs will be for the market rate and also the uh, low income rate? You have sure. any idea in those? Yeah, I do. Um, I just have to find the slide. So we have actually, this is, 
In our initial proposal, we start. We looked at uh, market rate rent starting at eighteen hundred for studios, which are around five hundred square feet, going up to thirty one hundred for three bedroom rents. Um, these numbers assumed that we could find a way to um, mitigate the noise from the gun range. Um, when we had, those were our initial estimates based on our own market research. When we had um, an updated market study done, um, they, the numbers came in a bit higher as to the potential rents we could get. Um, so these are the starting at 1950 and going up to 3,800. And again, these numbers assume we can take care of the noise from the gun range. Uh, the affordable apartments are in the 80% of area median income, and those numbers adjust every year, uh, but starting at 1,700 and going up to 2612. Um, you know, we already know from our due diligence we've done with the hazardous materials in the building, uh, we grossly, uh, the, the amount of asbestos in these buildings is significant. It will be extremely expensive to remediate. Uh, the mold that we've encountered, um, the costs are even higher than when we initially started. So the increase in rents is good, but it's also balanced off against increasing costs. Sure. We live in that right near the state hospital. In fact, we can walk up a little cut through and be on the property. So Chapel Hill, is that it? No. Long Meadow. We live on, on the end, yeah. We walk to the end of Long Meadow. Okay. We live on Evergreen Way. Okay. Okay. So we hear the gun on occasion. We live, we've lived there for over 50 years. We don't feel there a problem at all. I mean, you're... I can, I can see if somebody comes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, if somebody were to walk through and never had heard it before, it would be upsetting. I grant you that. But living there and hearing it on and off all the time, it, I mean, my thought is, oh, there they're practicing again, and pretty soon it's stopped. I mean, it, it's not ongoing for hours. It, I, I don't find it an issue. I just asked Jim. He said he doesn't pay any attention to it. I mean, I've heard that from people. I've also heard other comments from people. From from our perspective, I mean, I live in the city. I hear ambulances go by every day. My kids sleep with white noise, so they don't get woken up at night. But those, the the sound of, of if you're not used to it, the sound of hearing it, and it's a loud percussive noise. I don't know, maybe it's because I live in the city and I am afraid of it gunshot actually happening. Um, you know, well, I, we just know we've worked on developments uh, where there are certain public infrastructure pieces with the MBTA, and we've had to hold our bankers and investors' hands and get them comfortable that that public piece of infrastructure would not you know, make a big noise one day if there's a fire in the central artery tunnel. So we're just... These are the things that we worry about. Um, we don't want to spend all of this time and and, and have it come down to the, the gun range that won't let was us. The issue. Yeah, it was the issue. We're just, we're gonna be honest with you. It's, we think it's an issue. It's but maybe okay. if you live there and you're used to it, yeah. 
To, to me, it's a non-issue. So. I, I, I can see, I can understand that. Um, there are other advantages in walking the woods here. You walk in lands adjacent to your Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I, we can talk after. Yeah. <laughs> if, if people are worried about gunshots there, they're not going to have to walk. Yes, we're just we're trying to make it so that we have we have taken care of all the issues so that we can build what we're we're planning. Um, and for us, you know, that's something that's an unknown, and and we think it needs to be solved. If that's that's just our experience. It will be a problem. So we are going to wrap it up. If anyone has any other questions, we're here.